Hello, this is Mr. Paveo. Since we know you're going to be inside a lot, the teachers and I got together and thought it might be a good idea to do some read-alouds using our podcasting capabilities. The first book that we've chosen to read is C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Each night, we'll put on a new chapter of this book for you to either listen to or follow along with. And each night, we might may have a different teacher or maybe even me read along a chapter. So follow along, and I hope you enjoy The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Chapter 1. Lucy Looks Into a Wardrobe Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. This story is about something that happened to them when they were sent away from London during the war because of the air raids. They were sent to the house of an old professor who lived in the heart of the country, ten miles from the nearest railway station and two miles from the nearest post office. He had no wife, and he lived in a very large house with a housekeeper called Mrs. McCready and three servants. Their names were Ivy, Margaret, and Betty, but they do not come into the story much. He himself was a very old man with shaggy white hair, which grew over most of his face as well as on his head, and they liked him almost at once. But on the first evening, when he came out to meet them at the front door, he was so odd-looking that Lisa, who was the youngest, was a little afraid of him, and Edmund, who was the next youngest, wanted to laugh and had to keep on pretending he was blowing his nose to hide it. As soon as they had said goodnight to the professor and gone upstairs on the first night, the boys came into the girls' room and they talked it over. We've fallen on our feet and no mistake, said Peter. This is going to be perfectly splendid. That old chap will let us do anything we like. I think he's an old dear, said Susan. Oh, come off it, said Edmund, who was tired and pretending not to be tired, which always made him bad-tempered. Don't go on talking like that. Like what, said Susan. And anyway, it's time you were in bed. Trying to talk like mother, said Edmund. And who are you to say when I'm going to bed? Go to bed yourself. Hadn't we all better go to bed, said Lucy? There's sure to be a row if we're heard talking here. No, there won't, said Peter. I tell you, this is the sort of house where no one's going to mind what we do. Anyway, they won't hear us. It's about ten, minute walk, ten minutes walk from here down to that dining room and any amount of stairs and passages in between. What's that noise? said Lucy, Lucy suddenly. It was, it was a far larger house than she had ever been in before, and the thought of all those long passages and rows of doors leading into empty rooms was beginning to make her feel a little creepy. It's only a bird, silly, said Edmund. It's an owl, said Peter. This is going to be a wonderful place for birds. I shall go to bed now. I say, let's go and explore tomorrow. You might find anything in the place like this. Did you see those mountains as we came, came along? And the woods? There might be eagles. There might be stags. There might be hawks. Badgers, said Lucy. Foxes, said Edmund. Rabbits, said Susan. But when next morning came, there was a steady rain falling so thick that when you looked out the window, you could see 
neither the mountains nor the woods, nor even the stream in the garden. Of course, it would be raining, said Edmund. They had just finished their breakfast with the professor and were upstairs in the room he had set apart from them. A long, low room with two windows looking out into one direction and two in another. Do stop grumbling, Ed, said Susan. Ten to one, it'll clear up in an hour or so. And in the meantime, we're pretty well off. There's a wireless lot of book and lots of books. Not for me, said Peter. I'm going to explore the house. Everyone agreed to this, and that was how the adventure began. It was the sort of house that you never seem to come to the end of, and it was full of unexpected places. The first few doors they tried led only into spare bedrooms, as everyone had expected that they would. But soon they came to a very long room full of pictures, and they there they found a suit of armor. And after that was a room all hung with green, with a harp in the one corner. And then they came three steps down and five steps up, and then a kind of little upstairs hall and a door that led out onto the balcony. And then a whole series of rooms that led into each other and were lined with books, most of them very old books, and some of them bigger than a Bible in a church. And shortly after that, they looked into a room that was quite empty except for one big wardrobe, the sort that was a looking glass in the door. So, uh, sorry, the sort that has a looking glass in the door. There was nothing else in the room at all except a dead blue bottle on the windowsill. Nothing there, said Peter, and they stayed all trooped out again, all except Lucy. She stayed behind because she thought it would be worthwhile trying the door of the wardrobe, even though she felt almost sure that it would be locked. To her surprise, it opened quite easily, and two mothballs dropped out. Looking into the inside, she saw several coats hanging up, mostly long fur coats. There was nothing Lucy liked so much as the smell and feel of fur. She immediately stepped into the wardrobe and got in among the coats and rubbed her face against them, leaving the door open, of course, because she knew that it's very foolish to shut oneself into a wardrobe. Soon she went further in and found that there was a second row of coats hanging up behind the first one. It was almost quite dark in there, and she kept her arms stretched out in front of her so as not to bump her face into the back of the wardrobe. She took a step back further in, then two or three steps, always expecting to feel woodwork against the tips of her fingers, but she could not feel it. This must be a simply enormous wardrobe, thought Lucy, going still further in and pushing the soft folds of the coats aside to make room for her. Then she noticed that there was something crunching under her feet. I wonder, is this more mothballs, she thought, stooping down to feel it with her hand. But instead of feeling the hard, smooth wood of the floor of the wardrobe, she felt something soft and powdery and extremely cold. This is very queer, she said, and went on a step or two further. Next moment, she found 
that what was rubbing against her face and hands was no longer soft fur, but something hard and rough and even prickly. Why, it's just like branches of trees, exclaimed Lucy. And then she saw that there was a light ahead of her, not a few inches away where the back of the wardrobe ought to have been, but a long way off. Something cold and soft was falling on her. A moment later, she found that she was standing in the middle of a wood at nighttime with snow under her feet and snowflakes falling through her hair. Lucy felt a little frightened, but she felt very inquisitive and excited as well. She looked back over her shoulders and there, between the dark tree trunks, she could still see the open doorway of the wardrobe and even catch a glimpse of the empty room from which she had sat. She had, of course, left the door open, for she knew that it was a very silly thing to shut oneself into a wardrobe. It seemed to be still daylight there. I can always get back if anything goes wrong, thought Lucy. She began to walk forward, crunch, crunch, over the snow and through the wood toward the other light. In about ten minutes, she reached it and found it was a lamppost. As she stood up looking at it, wondering why there was a lamppost in the middle of a wood and wondering what to do next, she heard a pitter-patter of feet coming towards her. And soon after after that, a very strange person stepped out from among the trees into the light of the lamppost. He was only a little taller than Lucy herself. And he carried over his head an umbrella, white with snow. From the waist upward, he was like a man, but his legs were shaped like a goat's. The hair on them was glossy black, and instead of feet, he had goat's hooves. He also had a tail, but Lucy did not notice that at first because it was neatly caught up over the arm that held the umbrella so as to keep it from trailing in the snow. He had a red woolen muffler around his neck, and his skin was rather reddish too. He had a strange but pleasant little face with a short pointed beard and curly hair, and out of the hair stuck two horns, one on each side of his forehead. One of his hands, as I have said, held an umbrella. In the other arm, he carried several brown paper parcels. What with the parcels and the snow, it looked just as if he had been doing his Christmas shopping. He was a fawn. And when he saw Lucy, he gave such a start of surprise that he dropped all of his parcels. Goodness gracious me, exclaimed the fawn. And that concludes chapter one. This concludes chapter one of C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned and see what happens in chapter two, and also see who our chapter two reader is. Have a good evening.